Welcome to the End of Days Conference hosted by Rhema Family Church in February 2016. Our guest speaker is Reverend Joseph Morris. Wonderful and marvelous. Isn't it something we get to get a, 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 a say a little bit of conception of how marvelous he is. You know, I think of the blood red moons, I think of the planets, I think of the Bethlehem star and how he arranged right here before he comes back to have the heavens preaching to us. I mean, you've got nature preaching to us, you've got nations preaching to us, you've got the heavens preaching to us. The Lord doesn't want us to be uninformed. He wants us to know exactly where we are in time. And man, that's just, that's just uh, we're blessed, aren't we? Isn't it something when uh, Gabriel was talking to Daniel, he said these things would be shut up until the end. And I think right here at the end, we're seeing so much more revelation about, about the feast, so much more revelation about uh, signs in the heavens, revelation about uh, just how near we are to his coming. Why would he want to do that? So that we would pick up our pace and be in stride doing what we're called to do. There's something about that. There's something about knowing how near you are. You, you run a little faster. And uh, we talk about that, but it really is a race that we're in. And boy, God's fed us with such great strength. He, what do you say when you're going to run a race? You want carbs? We've been having a lot of good macaroni and cheese, heavenly. <laughs> and uh, he's got us to where we can finish our course, finish our race. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So we, we look to him. He, he is our supply. He's our strength. And uh, there's so many little, little uh, articulations coming together right before the return that uh, it could seem overwhelming, but it's really not. All the word that we've heard all over the years, he'll draw out all that, all the graces that are on your life, all those deposits. Uh, man, he's put it in you. He, he's completely filled you and strengthened you for this hour. I like that when Daniel, his only way of talking about you was he saw you. He was a, a seer, a prophet. He said, he said, they'll know their God. They'll be strong and they'll do exploits. Wow, isn't that cool? Think of people that were here a 1,000 years ago, 1,500 years ago, didn't know their God, weren't strong, and didn't do exploits. But talking about you, he said, you would know your God, you would be strong, and you would do exploits. So, wow, God, set your life up for right now before he returns. So, so this morning, I want to get into a little bit about the tribulation period. We might go through some of the seals and the trumpets and the vials. I don't really get a chance to do that very often, but boy, once you see what's happening after we leave, it really should make us uh, witness all the more. You'll tell people, you don't want to be here during that tribulation period. So last night, we got into the reward seat of Christ. I'm trying to go in chronological order. While we're at the reward seat of Christ, that tribulation period will be happening on the earth. And man, if you could ever say you see the setup for that right now, you certainly see it all over the earth. It's amazing that man does not see it, the blindness that's on man, but they're leading in a pathway toward one world government, one world authority, one world monetary system, to where one man's going to take the rulership, and it's not good. <laughs> the Bible calls it, when the Israel signs a contract with, with uh, the Antichrist, a covenant with death and hell. So that's not a good contract. <laughs> when you're signing a contract, you don't want that to have written over the top of the contract, death and hell. <laughs> you like to have your contract, blessings and, and you know, all kinds of stuff. Our contract with our king is called the New Testament. The new covenant, it's a new contract. And the whole new covenant is nothing but looking at what Jesus did to give of his life for us. So Israel's going to enter into this contract that, that's not, not good at all. <laughs> so we'll get into all that, and uh, we'll pick up where we left off. Grab your Bibles there and turn, if you would, maybe to Matthew 24, and we'll start here, and we'll see how far we get on these today because there's so much to get into, man. It's just um, a, a myriad. But let's go to Matthew 24, and we'll pick up there, and let's pray. Father, thank you for all those that came out this morning. Bless them for taking the time to come out on a Tuesday morning. Lord, they're putting you first. 
So we, we're, we're grateful for revelation this morning, grateful for insight. Father, help us get a glimpse of what it'll be like right after we leave so that, Father, we'll all the more be more vocal, we'll all the more be more uh, wholehearted to do your will, uh, to get the will of God wrought in this hour, harvesting the earth right here before the church departs. Thank you for helping us, Father. Help us get this done in such a short period of time. We know that it'll be not by, by, by power, but it'll be by your spirit. So we thank you that for heavenly assistance, we ask you this morning for heavenly assistance in this, this last days of your church, that, Father, you'd be glorified, you'd be magnified. Father, we thank you that you get to be lifted up in this hour, this hour as you prepare for your Son to be honored as he ought. May, Father, we in the earth get ready for this honoring of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We take this time to magnify the gift of the Son of God. Father, thank you for giving your Son for us. We lift you up, Jesus. We magnify you, Jesus. We magnify your mercy, and we magnify your kindness this morning. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody said amen. amen. So, you know, we got into talking about the, the, the chronological order of everything. We've gone through that a little bit. We're at the end of the church age. We went through the dispensations yesterday morning. So we see we're bumping up at the end of this dispensation. And we know uh, uh, at the end of this dispensation, it ends in tribulation. But thank God, we get to depart. The church gets to depart. He's not appointed us to wrath. We know the whole purpose of the tribulation period is pressure. It seems like some people won't make a decision until they have to. So there's going to be seven years of pressure. And that's what we're going to go through this morning. So I like to kind of clarify it as we know it is the wrath of God. And, and God kind of, uh, it is amazing that he put all that frustration on Jesus. So for us, he's not frustrated at us so all the world that's mocked him spit upon him and and basically blamed him for every horrible thing there's coming a season on the earth where God's going to kind of go you know I've been agitated for a while and I'm going to let you know how agitated I was but thank God we've never we'll never know that agitation or frustration ever because he laid all of that on Jesus but the earth is going to get a period of seven years really in God's timing seven years is very 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 short if one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day, seven years is just like a blink to him. So think about that. In his eyes, he's had six days to get this, get this thing fixed or recovered. After Adam's sin, one week, one week God's gone, okay, I'm going to have my man uh, go through all these changes and have the church age, dispensation of grace. And at the end of that two days, think of how long, at the end, we've had conference for how long now? Two days going into the third day? That's the way it is for him for the whole church age. So at the end of that dispensation, you've got a seven-year period. That's just like that to him. So during that blink to him, there's going to be some graphic changes to the earth so that no one could be here during that time and say, I didn't know anything was going on. <laughs> In other words, people are fishing. The water turns to blood. We're not catching much today. Well, hello, you're in the tribulation period. So there's going to be enough stuff happening that later people won't be able to go, well, I had no idea something was going on. No, God's going to make it to where you can't be here during that time and not know. I hear a lot of preachers uh, you know, try to put things on the church that are in the end of the tribulation. We'll get to it maybe second class, but where, you know, where he's saying, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, you preached in my name. He's not talking to the church there. He's talking to people at the end of the tribulation that try to you know, wing their way into the second coming. Like, oh, I was a preacher for you. And he's like, no, no, you weren't. That's not talking to the church. That's talking to those unsaved people that are in the latter part of the tribulation that the Lord's going to go, do you think you needed any more signs to realize I was about to come back and you're going to try to mess with me now? I don't think so. Because there's going to be seven years of sign after sign after sign and we'll go through them. So you've got to look at God's mentality. Even though it is a period of trouble, it's called a time of Jacob's trouble. 
uh, we know that uh, it's really the mercy of God. Just like with Pharaoh and Moses, it was the mercy of God to get Pharaoh to change his heart. The miracles are almost identical. And really, it's all a perfect setup. Man, it's just, like, uh, it's just almost like poetry, the perfect setup to get his family to try to finally repent. Amen. Finally repent and turn to him. And it's just exactly like Joseph. Like I said, he will reveal himself to his brethren right there at the very end. And what an amazing revelation it will be where his brethren will go, Wow, we pierced him, we beat him, we mocked him, and now we receive him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the wonderful thing about right now is you're seeing, I mean, after we depart, we know after we're raptured, 144,000 Jewish evangelists are raised up, and the spirit of supplication is poured upon the nation of Israel. Uh, the glory of God comes upon them. And what's happening right now, though, is you see all these associations with Jewish people with Holy Ghost Pentecostal preachers. It's amazing. Most of the Jewish guys I know, I try to get them born again. I say, hey, if Jesus is not your Savior, you better start killing some animals. <laughs> and they go, well, we don't do that anymore. I said, well, what's covering your sin? There's this blindness on them. But God set them up. They love miracles. They love the, the God of the Old Testament. And God set their life up. It's almost remarkable how he set their life up, not just to be around denominational people, but to be around wild Holy Ghost people. I mean, not crazy, but just bold. See, they like that boldness. Hey, when you know God's your God, it kind of makes you bold. It's not arrogance, it's, it's just God's your dad. How could you be fearful if, if God before you, what could be against you? Amen? I mean, he's just a, he's a loving Heavenly Father, El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough. When he talked to them in the Old Covenant, he displayed himself as the Almighty God. I mean, talking to Abraham, that's the first thing you got across to him. Oh, by the way, you're dealing with someone here that's more than enough. <laughs> so sometimes when, when, when the Jewish guys that aren't born again yet see that kind of reflection in the church, they kind of go, hey, I know that spirit. They know their God. So there's a real mingling of the two right now. We try everything we can to get them born again. And I, I've done everything I could to talk to my buddies that are Jewish into getting saved. I took them through the, the feast, and I go, what do you do with this? And they go, ah, oh, they don't know what to do with it because it so proves that Jesus is the Messiah. But I do know this. God set their life up. So we should rejoice that the Holy Ghost is getting people in position for right after we depart. We know they're going to rebuild the temple, but there's going to be also a, a spiritual revival where people are born again. I mean, think about it. 12,000 evangelists from each tribe. That's 144,000 Jewish evangelists. Ramah in Tulsa. I went in 1980. There's about 2,000 people there. And, uh, you know, you think of 2,000 people maybe for 10 or 15, 20 years. That's a lot of students. But all of a sudden, they're going to instantly have 144,000 that are going to have some platforms to preach from. The whole church disappeared. I mean, I think they'll be doing like Shambach. My God, that church that was so wild and crazy disappeared. And our God, who's so marvelous and so wonderful, has got us ready for this hour of time right before Jesus is manifested in the earth. So there's going to be a real preaching in them. So let's go to Matthew 24, and we'll pick up with that. So where we were the other day in Matthew 24, we had gone through the first few verses. Let's go skip back to verse 7 in Matthew 24, and we'll look at the beginning of the tribulation period. Matthew 24, verse 7, For nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines, there'll be pestilence, there'll be earthquakes in diverse places. And so here we, we see in verse 8, all these are the beginning of sorrows or birth pains. I told you to mark in your Bible at verse 9. He said, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and they shall kill you, and shall, you'll be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And here's the tribulation starts there. Watch what happens in verse 13. 
It says here, uh, but he that endures unto the end, the same shall be saved. Talking about the tribulation period. And then it says, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. We've kind of used that verse to manipulate people to go into all the world. That's a mid-tribulation verse. I know that gets people mad because they go, well, Jesus can't come back till the gospel goes into all the world. See, this is a mid-trib. Look at the next verse after that. How do you know it's mid-trib? Read the next verse. If you want to be technical about the Bible and be blessed, read the verses before and afterwards. Look at the next verse. Verse 14. Verse 15. For when, therefore, you'll see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, whosoever reads, let him understand. That's mid-trib. So here Jesus is saying the gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached in all the world even after after the rapture of the church there's a time midway through the tribulation that angels go out and preach the everlasting gospel to places that have never heard it so we we do our part and do our job but i hear people try to manipulate people that jesus can't come back to the gospel gets preached to every nation that's a mid-trib verse we have to realize a lot's going to happen after we leave we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel we're to do the best job we can and there should be pressure on us to do that if we don't have pressure on us to do that we're not it's not being taught right now, now, I'm going to back up because I'm in Bible school for a minute, okay? Because we live in a society, everyone's so fragile that someone tries to, uh, to get someone excited about going and doing. People go, well, you're, you're motivating me and pushing me to go do the will of God. That's exactly right. <laughs> because the Lord wants us to do something in our time slot. But man, in America, it's so fragile. You say one bold thing and people go, well, you're putting too much pressure on me. Well, let me get you a diaper and a bottle right here before we're done. But that's the climate of the day. So ministers, all of us feel this pressure that everyone's so easily offended. But you're going to find out here in a minute the Lord's not going to be worried about people being offended. He wants them not to go to hell. Okay? What can I do to keep people from going to hell? So notice here, Jesus starts... This is kind of cool because I wanted you to get this before we get to the seals. Jesus just starts opening the seals right here, and they don't even know he's doing that. Because when we go to the book of Revelation, you'll go, wow, Jesus referred to this in Matthew 24. So notice the tone in all of the Gospels is all about Jewish stuff, all about the tribulation period. He doesn't even talk about the rapture because it was a mystery. So when we start getting all of that stuff straight, the whole plan of God makes way, way more sense because he's not frustrated at you, but all of a sudden he's a little agitated at the nation for, for turning their back on him. And you feel that. You feel that frustration like, what can I do to gather my own? I would have gathered you as a hen gathers its little one, but you rejected me. He cursed the fig tree because of no fruit. That was the nation of Israel. Within one generation of the cross, they were overthrown. Hang with me. Jesus went to the cross 30 AD, born 2 BC, 40 years. One generation later, Jerusalem's overthrown. It's very, very, very flawless. It is interesting that why did he curse the fig tree? Because there was no fruit. And that's the nation of Israel. So you feel that frustration. I'm saying all this, setting you up for the seals and setting you up for the trumpets and setting you up for the vials. Because once you get into all that, you're like, holy cow, the Lord seems a little irritated. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're going to feel 6,000 years of irritation is going to come out. And what you would say like, wow, dad's a little frustrated with his creation. And really that frustration is, I've given my son, you need to repent so you don't have to live forever in hell. Because he loves them so much. Amen? Alright, so let's go over to the book of Revelation and let's get into this. I love that, isn't it interesting that the devils taught people they can't understand the book of Revelation? You, that, that's the number one thought pattern about the book of Revelation. Well, you can understand that. Well, yes, you can. Amen. So go to Revelation chapter 4. 
And let's look at this for just a little bit. There's so much cool stuff here. All right, after the church is raptured, we said it a while ago, Israel enters into a covenant with the, with the Antichrist. Now, we don't know how long that will be, but that covenant is when the, when the tribulation period starts because it's exactly seven years. And at, at the end of the tribulation, there's a little interval, about 75 days, and that's, that's a whole other story, but we'll, maybe, we'll get to that maybe second hour. But it's exactly seven years. So the gap between the rapture and the signing of that covenant we talked about, it could be six months, it could be a couple months, it could be two or three years. I don't think it's going to be real long because of the, the catastrophic events after the rapture. I know the world, <laughs> I mean, just the, the way we try to depict what's happening, global economic chaos, when all of a sudden a billion people disappear, uh, but you know, they'll have answers to come in for that. Can you imagine what the news uh, media will be the moment everyone disappears? I mean, okay, now don't get mad at me. Think about all the children that are born again of families that are not saved, and all of a sudden their kids disappear. Everybody freaks out about that. That's going to be kind of crazy. I mean, a family that's not born again, all of a sudden these children depart because they're alive unto God. Amen? So you're going to see people go, my kids are gone. I mean, it's just going to be absolute. We, don't, we kind of gloss over all that, but it's going to be a big change. Jesus is coming back for his church. And if you're alive unto God, you're going to depart. So let's look here at Revelation 4. Now, I want to say this because I want to make this really clear. From Revelation 1 to 3, it's all about the church. The church is mentioned 17 times. From Revelation 4 on, the church is never mentioned again because it's not here. Okay? Revelation 4 is when the rapture happens in the book of Revelation. So look at Revelation chapter 4, and uh, we'll, we'll see where it starts here. I want to I get the right thing here. My Bible's torn up so much. Revelation chapter 4, look at verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the, and the first voice which I heard was it was of a trumpet. Man, this is Jesus. Calling with me, which shall say, Come up hither, and I'll show you the things that you must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, beheld a throne which was set in heaven. And one sat upon the throne. And he that sat there looked, had the look upon him of a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne, and the sight like unto emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting close in a white garment and they had on their heads crowns of gold I like this out of the throne proceeded lightnings thunderings and voices and there were seven lamps and fire burning before the throne which are the seven spirits of God and before the throne there was a sea of glass that's you and I like unto crystal in the midst of the throne round about the throne there were four beasts full of eyes before and behind and the first beast was like a lion the second beast was like a calf and the third beast was like the face of a man and the fourth was like the beast of a, uh, the face of a, an eagle and the four beasts which and the four beasts each had of them six wings about them they were full of eyes in them, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Now you see what happens here in heaven, you know, uh, the scroll is given there, and, and, and there, there's a mourning because no one's worthy to unlock the scroll. And he says, don't worry, uh, the line of the tribe of Judah has pre prevailed, and he's worthy to open the scroll. Isn't that something that Jesus is the only one worthy. He created everything that we see. 
and, and uh, so here, let's look at the very first seal that opens up. Now, this is right after the rapture of the church and after that covenant's gone. We're in heaven, and we're, I, I'm intrigued in a minute. We'll get to where there's silence in heaven for about 30 minutes. So par- apparently, we're able to view some things or not view some things. We're going to go to the reward seat of Christ, marry yourself for the Lamb, but there will be a little bit of an awareness of what's going on on the earth because there's silence in heaven on one of the seals because there's so much bad stuff happening. It's almost like we need to kind of chill for a minute because this is really not good. So go over to chapter 6 for a minute, and we'll start with the seals. Now, uh, look what happens at the beginning of the opening of these seals. Chapter 6, verse 1, And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, I heard, as it were, the noise of thundering, and one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him had a bow and had a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering to conquer. Notice he had a bow, but he didn't have any arrows. So he conquers with peace. His platform is a platform of peace. The Antichrist always comes in to deceive people, just like Lucifer, because he's Lucifer's representation on the earth. Now, we know mid-trib, Lucifer actually enters into the Antichrist and becomes incarnate in him. But right now, you just have a, a human that's being motivated by the devil. And notice this, the very first seal that's opened up gives him power to rule. So all of a sudden, he, it's amazing how you can feel the world getting ready for this. Someone has to come on the scene to have the, the, the answer for the Palestinian issue, the Israeli issue, and the Middle East. I mean, every, it's just remarkable that everyone in Europe says it's Israel's fault for the Palestinians being frustrated. They say it's occupied territory. Listen to what the head of the UN said. He said, of course the Palestinians are going to want to kill people because they're in occupation. They're not in occupation. The Arabs in Israel are more blessed than the Arabs all the rest of the world. Let me say that again. The Arabs that are living in Israel have more benefits than all the other Arabs living in the rest of the world. Saudi Arabia is not a democracy. Israel is the only democracy where people actually have rights. Listen to what happened yesterday. Israelis in the, in the Knesset stood up to, to be sad for a moment of silence for some of the Palestinians that got killed killing Israelis. That's how insane it is right now. That would be like you and I being sad uh, that our, our, our one of our policemen tried to save your life and killed someone, and we're sad for the guy that got killed trying to kill you. It's absolutely nuts. So that mentality is about to come into all the earth when that first seal's opened up. The Antichrist will come in with a platform of peace, and he's going to have an answer for the whole situation. He'll go, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, the, the monetary collapse that could be happening for Greece, that's happening for Spain, that partially is happening for Italy. All of a sudden, the EU it goes through economic trouble. you got all this stuff happening, and then, and then he comes in and goes, okay, we're going to have one currency. And he's going to make the world submit to him because of that currency. In other words, you, it's a great idea, though, technically. Go, okay, all these countries that have all this debt, he's going to go, you know what, we're going to forgive your debt. Don't worry about it. We're going to forgive your debt, and we're going to start over with one currency. And everyone falls into that because it seems good, but really it's just Lucifer's way of getting control of the entire earth. Yes. It's amazing how he wants people to worship him. Amen. And he's not going to be worshipped. So let's read a little further. It says in verse number 3, And when they had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And, and they went out from another horse that was red, and power was given to him. And he sat there on, on, to take peace from the earth, that he should kill, watch this, kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. Now that second seal that's opened up is World War Three. 
Okay? So the first seal, the Antichrist comes in with all this, all this power and all this great ideas to bring everybody prosperity. The, the next seal that opens up is World War III. And I mean, you talk about World War III, when, uh, this kind of World War III will be different than World War I, World War II. World War I, World War II were fought with M1 carbines, were fought with grenades, fought with bombs. This is going to be fought with intercontinental ballistic missiles. And it's pretty cool that Israel has the Arrow Three protector. <laughs> the Iron Dome Protector, and David's Slingshot. David's Slingshot is an ICBM missile defense system that when a, when a missile's fired at Israel, it'll go up and get it in the upper atmosphere. Man, God knows what he's doing. It's pretty cool so you can see how God's going to protect Israel when that seal is opened up. <laughs> Amen. You see the tech? Could you imagine John seeing this? And he goes, okay, World War III, how, how's God going to protect Israel? And you see the technology today, how God's going to protect Israel. Israel's got a new boat they came out with yesterday. It's a, an unmanned ship that goes out into the Mediterranean that fires missiles at other ships and, and takes out submarines. They're so cool. <laughs> don't you love that? We don't even have to have guys in the boat so we can still kill you. Amen? So, so the second seal here is, is World War III. I mean, you could talk a lot about that, but uh, probably 10 to 15 generals of different armies in the last four to five months have verbally said we're already in World War III. That's how much they see the setup for this second seal being opened. Obviously, we're not there yet, but they've said that out loud. They've said that verbally. And then you heard, heard different diplomats go, well, we're not really in World War III, but there's such a setup for the entire world to have world war. Now, thank God you and I are going to be at the reward seat of Christ right now. We're going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. But the world is about to go through more catastrophic events than it's ever seen before in its life. And this is still the first half of the tribulation. Yeah. Amen. Let's keep going. So go down to the next verse there. Go to uh, verse number 5. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld a black horse, and he that sat upon him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, three measures of barley for a penny. See that thou hurt not the oil and the wine. So after the war, you've got famine, and you've got basically no food. Because, uh, I mean, the scripture talks, I mean, it's hard for us to, I mean, the movies, you can see a little bit of it, maybe, and what's it, Terminator? When you see uh, missiles coming at, Los Angeles, you see missiles coming at Sydney, you see missiles coming at New York. I mean, when you've got that many nuclear weapons, all of a sudden there's no more food. And some of the other seals will even talk about that to where there's, there's no grass left and a third of the trees are destroyed. I mean, the earth is getting ready to go through absolute hell on earth. And it is weird that the whole design of it is to get people to repent. <laughs> Think of how hard-headed you have to be to still not repent. I mean, because we'll get to it next hour at the second coming. Only 50% of the people have repented. <laughs> one's taken, one's left. Just like on the cross. One thief got saved, the other thief could not get saved. But you got, you, you, these are some hard-headed people because you can't get much more fireworks than nuclear weapons going all over the earth and there's no food left. You think you go, hmm, we're not eating and we've got missiles coming at us? I need to change my heart. You know people right now that they're, because of the hardness of heart, God's going to put some fireworks on the earth, and they're going to go, if anyone has a remote idea going, you know what, I might ought to repent. You can't, the, the whole purpose of all these seals is you can't be for him or against him. You've got to be either for him or against him. There's no in-between. Right now, people are like, well, you know, I know there's a God. Well, right then, you're going to be making some decisions. That's why it's called many, many are in the valley of decision. 
because all of a sudden through the seven-year period, I wonder how many opportunities they'll be going like, hmm, that's another intercontinental ballistic missile. Hmm, that's another intercontinental ballistic missile. So notice it's just times of fireworks. So let's go down a little further. Skip down to verse 7. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come, see, I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat upon him is called Death and Hell, followed him. And the power was given unto him over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, and with death, and with him the beasts of the earth. So this seal, which is the fourth seal, a, a quarter of the earth, he gets power over to kill. So... You're going to start kind of adding some things up here in a little bit because in a little bit you're going to see a third of all the earth gets killed, a couple, like two billion people. And here the Antichrist is getting sections of power over all the earth. So God does it kind of in stages. Notice words, if you're probably living, and I'm just guessing here, I'll give you, you know, just conjecture. If you're living maybe in Africa and you look up and go, hey, all the major cities of the world are getting vaporized and you're out in the Congo, you're maybe in the middle of nowhere, you might go, hmm, so you're, you're getting stages and then all of a sudden the Antichrist is going to have a quarter of the earth. I don't believe it'll be, all, it'll be probably be Turkey, it'll probably be Syria, probably be Iraq, it'll probably be Saudi Arabia. Over that whole area, he's going to have control over annihilating everyone. It's not good. Now, I know this is sobering, but I want to get you to see how blessed you are that you don't have to be here. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's go a little further. Verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they had held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, Lord, holy and true, do you not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Isn't that something? They're crying out to the Father like they're, they're going, Come on, let's see, get this done. And with white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also, their brethren, that should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. And behold, when he had opened the sixth seal, lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black of sackcloth and hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of the heaven fell to the earth, even as a fig tree that casts her untimely figs, and, and when she was shaken of a mighty wind. So, I mean, you got, you got the sixth one here. Uh, it's pretty cool. This is uh, different than the others. If you keep reading, it says that it's, uh, it's supernatural more than natural. Okay? Whereas the first five, you've got man kind of doing intercontinental ballistic missiles. Here, this one, all of a sudden, you see the hand of God. You've got the heavens being altered. You've got uh, earthquakes. Now, there's some earthquakes here that are going to happen. Then there's going to be a major earthquake at the very end. But there's just cataclysmic events on the earth to get pressure on the earth to get people to change. Wow. And meanwhile, back at the ranch, you've got 144,000 Jewish evangelists that are preaching all during this time. They're being raised up. So let's go look at some more, uh, some, the next ones that are trumpet judgments. Go over to Revelation 8. Isn't this exciting? <laughs> Quiet in this Presbyterian church. Amen. No, it should be quiet. It's sobering, isn't it? Amen. All right, let's go to chapter 8. Look at verse 1. And here comes uh, uh, the seventh seal. When he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. So I don't know how time is done in heaven, but man, there comes a time in heaven where all of a sudden we kind of reflect, and I guess we get to look over the banister of heaven because we know in Hebrews that those that have gone home before us are watching our race. So it says they're looking over the banister and encouraging us in our race. So I guess there's silence in heaven for us to kind of, kind of just think about what happened uh, during this time. So that's a catastrophic time that all those seals are being opened. Now you go from the seals, it goes from bad to worse. <laughs> it goes from seals to trumpet judgments. All right, so let's go to the trumpet judgments. So skip down to chapter 8. And look at verse 7. The first angel sounded, and there was followed hail 
and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth, and a third part of the trees was burned up, and all the grass was burned up. So you have a third of the trees burned up, and all, no more grass. I mean, so, okay, photosynthesis is how we get our oxygen. So the trees produce oxygen, the grass produces oxygen. So all of a sudden, you're going to have a really weird atmosphere in the earth when this trumpet judgment starts. So the first trumpet does that. Let's go a little further. Read down the next one there in verse 8. And the second angel sounded, as it were a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and a third part of the sea became blood. I mean, you've got an asteroid hitting, and a third part of the sea becomes blood. I mean, that, that's some great changes right there. Go a little further. In verse 9, a third part of the creatures that were in the sea had life died, and a third part of the ships that were destroyed. And the third angel sounded, and there there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of the waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. Now, I was preaching in the Ukraine years ago, and uh, I was talking about just how there's going to be two asteroids hit during the tribulation. And I said, one of them's called Wormwood. And in the Ukraine, everyone gasped because I have an interpreter. I said, Wormwood, everybody goes, <gasps> and I thought, what, what's going on? What's, what's wrong? And they said the word Wormwood in the Russian Bible is the word Chernobyl. How many remember the Chernobyl accident when the nuclear reactor had a meltdown and you couldn't go? The first time I preached in the Ukraine, they used a Geiger counter on my potato to make sure it didn't have any radioactive material. Well, you're going to have two asteroids hit during that time. You know all the movies, uh, Armageddon, the different ones that deep impact, that feel there's a, the world's coming to an end because of asteroids? That all comes from, because it's true, the world's not going to come to an end, but it's going to go through some devastation. You've got a third of the water being radioactive. You've got a third of the trees gone, all the grass. Think of that, all the grass on the earth's toast. And this is just the trumpet judgment. This is not the vials. Let's go a little further. Everybody still with me? Chapter 12. A fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, third part of the moon, third part of the stars, so that the third part was darkened, and day shone not for a third part of it, but night likewise. How weird is that going to be? Everything's going to be altered, even daylight. So, and I beheld and heard an angel flying throughout the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth, by reason of the other voices of the trumpets and the three angels which were yet to sound. And here comes another one. Here comes another trumpet judgment chapter 9 verse 1 and the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth and had him the key of the bottomless pit and he opened the bottomless pit and there arose a smoke out of the pit and the smoke that was a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit and now here comes the more of the supernatural stuff this is crazy right here and there in verse 3 and there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth and upon them was given power as the scorpions of the earth to have power now this this trumpet is not good man this is when Lucifer is going out to just keep Heal, steal, and destroy. <laughs> Doesn't it make you glad that we're not here for this? Amen. So that's, that, that's the fifth trumpet. Let's go to the next one. All right, skip over to chapter... Um, I'll go to verse... I want you to look at verse 11. Look at verse 11. It gives you a little bit more insight into that last trumpet. Verse 11. And they had a king over them, Wow, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon. And in the Greek tongue, his name is called Apollon. And one woe is past, for behold, there comes two more woes bore hereafter. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from heaven, horns and golden altar before God, saying, The sixth angel, which hath the trumpet, loose the four angels that are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels that were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and for a day and for a month and a year to slay a third part of the men. 
So that next trumpet, you got a third part of the men killed. So right then, okay, let me guess, give you a little conjecture for a minute just to get some math involved. I would say at the rapture of the church, we probably have about a billion people depart. We have about seven billion people on the earth right now. Let's say there's a billion Christians depart. Maybe you've got a six billion left. So you're going to have two billion people killed right here when these demons come out on the earth. These, now, I know that sounds horrible, but really, it's just pressure to get people to go, Lord, I'll call on your name and I'll be saved. Because it says, is, if you just call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. So isn't this something that God's <laughs> pressuring, pressuring, pressuring just to get them to make a decision? So no one's going to be living here and go, I didn't know something was going on. <laughs> It doesn't matter what TV show you're watching. doesn't matter what cell phone you're watching. You're going to, people are going to be looking at their iPhones and go, oh my God. Now the Jewish guys are going to be going, buckle up, here comes another trumpet. They're going to be going, God's so merciful. He told me, he goes, the book of Revelation is my left behind book for the Jews. How sweet. Now, you think of the left behind book that a marriage writer wrote, Tim LaHaye, and here God has him write a marriage book. Guess how many copies have sold of that? 80 million copies of the Left Behind series. So God's had in writing all over the earth a book called There's Going to Be People Left Behind. Why? He doesn't want them to go through all these, these seals being opened and all these trumpet judgments. But isn't it something that God's so merciful, He'll use this frustration and this pressure to get people to make a change. I mean, it's dramatic. And you know, this is still not mid-trib. <laughs> this is not the Great Tribulation. We haven't got to mid-trib yet. <laughs> this is still the first part of the tribulation. Giddy up, amen? Mm. All right, let's go to the next one. Go to chapter 11. We'll get to the seventh trumpet. Chapter 11, look at verse 15. Wow. All right, chapter 11, verse 15. And the seventh angel, verse 15, the sep- chapter 11, verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there was a great voice in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. Wow. Isn't that wild? Man, oh man. I like it. That's basically exactly what Daniel saw uh, in, in Daniel. And he was concerned because he saw all this that was happening and he was concerned with what Gabriel was saying. And Gabriel said, don't worry, the Ancient of Days will prevail. Wow, hallelujah. So in the midst of all this, you'd think that all of mankind's going to be toast. And he says, oh, don't worry, the Ancient of Days will prevail. So the overall theme of this book is pressure to repent. Pressure to repent. Pressure to repent. And the overall thing is Jesus is getting ready to be revealed. Wow. Think, think of the protocol to get the earth ready to get people's hearts in a receptive manner. That you've got to be that hard-hearted that you've got to go through that to get ready to meet the king. Wow. I'm telling you what. You talk about God has a very cool process. Pastor Tony and I were talking about this the other day. Through the last... 6,000 years, God's ordained through the, the, the that's 2,000 years especially, through the, through the ordination, ordination of preaching. If you won't humble yourself to come hear someone preach, you know, that's a very humbling thing to get someone to scream at you to get born again. He's done a sifting process of, of his kids that are going to end up being jerks. Okay, so he's ridding himself of the earth of kids that are going to end up being not good kids. Hang with me mentally. Because even at the second coming, only 50% are there. Now, that, they have choice, but God's smart enough to take care of, like, okay, these kids are going to end up being bad anyway, so they're going to go through so much pressure, we're going to find out they're going to repent. It's really a, a weeding out process of sons of God that would never be humble. Because if you won't humble yourself to hear preaching, 
then you're going to end up having this seven-year period. Thank God someone prayed for all of us. Thank God someone prayed for your, mo- your mother or your grandmother prayed for you to where your heart was soft enough that when, when someone talked about Jesus, you perked up and said, Lord, I, I, I need to know more about you. And, you. and you heard someone yell, repent, Jesus is coming. <laughs> and you got born again, amen? Oh, man, oh, man, just amazing. Okay, so let's go to uh, the next event here, and that's the vials. You've had the seals opened up, which are horrendous. You've had the trumpet judgments that brought about changes. The majority of them are almost brought about by man. Only a couple of them are brought about supernaturally where you've got demons or you've got the heavens changed. I mean, you've got geographical things changing. You've got the, 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 the sun's only, brought, only up for a third part of the day. It's just crazy. So let's go look at the, the, the vials now. And this one is when it starts getting a little... Now, I say this, I'm skipping around because it's interesting, the book of Revelation, this is why people don't understand it. It's very much in chronological order, but then all of a sudden he'll skip back and go back and forth a couple places. The book of Daniel does that so much that you're like, oh my God, how in the world do I keep up with this? Because it's, it's not in chronological order. It goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But as far as the seals, as far as the trumpets, as far as the vials, they're all in chronological order. Now, I don't know why people don't understand it. Just want, notice I'm just reading right here from the book. I have tons of notes. I can go into all kinds of detail, but it's a little bit overwhelming when you start finding out how many people are getting vaporized. I mean, if you, how many of you saw the movie? I, mean, I give people movies just so you can relate to it. How many of you saw uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark? You remember that 1980 or 81 when that came out? Didn't you like Harrison Ford? Didn't you like the Ark of the Covenant there? Remember at the very end when, when this is fiction, but when the presence of God came out of the Ark, their, their eyes melted away from their face? Zechariah 14 gives you a graphic depiction of the end of the tribulation and the first part of the second coming. So you see people losing their flesh. The Bible says their sockets and their eyes will be melted away. So it's kind of hard to go into too much detail because it's just a little bit overwhelming. Amen? Because the earth is getting ready to sense a season of God's wrath. Now, we were talking about this the other day. You know, oftentimes people that are mid-trib, you know, rapture, they go, well, it's pre-wrath rapture. No, the wrath of God starts even in the seals. And the Antichrist can't even come on the scene. He's seal number one. Thessalonians is very, very bold about. He can't, that seal can't even be opened until you leave. He gave you so much authority, he's, he doesn't renege on his authority. He gave you authority. Now, now, I know that you've heard that, and I can feel that. Well, I know that, Brother Joe. Really? Do you know that? Do you decree things over your family? Do you decree things over your job? You've got so much authority, it's almost staggering that Jesus has to take you off the earth so that God, the Creator, can do what He wants to do on the earth because you've got so much authority. Let that sink into you right now. Speak to things on your body. Speak to things at your job. Speak to things that you have authority over. You can't do things that you don't have authority over. <laughs> Amen. You can't do witchcraft. But my friend, this is when you see all these cataclysmic events happening, God couldn't even do them to the earth until he took you out. It's remarkable. You say, well, God's in control. Really? He is? Then you can't prosecute a rapist. If God's in control, that's God's idea. No, see, he's not in control. Lucifer's the God of this world. That's why we have to pray and use our authority. And boy, it really gets evident when you start looking at the rapture, start looking at the tribulation period. You're like, wow, we, we got so much authority, we'd be having prayer meetings stopping the asteroids from coming. I take authority over the, of the, of the mountains and the earth and the, and the stars out there, and I decree right now, just like Joshua did, the sun's going to stand still. If he did that under the old covenant, think what you and I do under the new covenant. Because Jesus said, I could speak to the mountain, and it would be removed. 
If you'll notice the correlation there, all of a sudden you're going to get to some places here in a minute when these vials are done where mountains are being removed, just like Jesus said. Because at His word, the earth is being altered. Because He already put it in the book, the earth is going to be basically put into a vacuum of God's word. And even the earth can't stand. Just like when you rebuke cancer, it doesn't negotiate with you. Just like the, he- the heavens aren't going to negotiate with God and go, I'm not going to be dark for a third. No, God's word is so powerful, just like your word is so powerful. Amen? It's so powerful, he doesn't even have to say this again. All this stuff's going to happen because he said it once. Oh, man, I might do Elvis on that one. Wow, here we go. <laughs> and think that he's alert and active, watching over his word to perform it in your life. Man, okay, let's go to, the, let's go to these vials for a minute because I want to get rolling. I've got a lot more I want to get into. I want to get into... Of the second coming here in a minute. Look at chapter 16, verse 1. And I heard a great voice. Chapter 16, if you've got your Bibles there. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. Now, this is where the second half of the tribulation starts, okay? <laughs> wow. All this has been first half. Jesus even differentiated when the tribulation is going to go from tribulation to great tribulation. What is the the demarcation point? It's interesting. Jesus quotes Daniel. He said, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel. Now, what does that mean? The Antichrist, midway through the trib, goes into the temple and goes, hey, I'm God. And man, all of a sudden, the Jewish people go, wow, he's not the Messiah. Because they think he's the Messiah. Because he's brought peace. That's the crazy thing. The first, first part of the, of the seal of the Antichrist, the Jews are going to go, wow, this guy's the Messiah. Isn't this cool? He, we finally have our king come and bringing peace. I think he's going to bring, on his platform is going to keep Israel from annihilating Islam. Israel's going to re, be reacting at a point of strength, and this Antichrist is going to go, no, no, relax. And the Jews are going to go, wow, he made us be at peace with Islam because normally we need to have to wipe them off the place, face of the earth. So mid-trib's happening right here, then all of a sudden you have the vials opened up. And Jesus called it the Great Tribulation. It goes from tribulation to great tribulation. First half, three and a half years. Second half, three and a half years. 42 months. So watch what happens during that 42 months. It starts with these, these vials. It says in verse number 2, And the first one went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and greasome sore upon men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped the image Wow, so you got sores. That's not cool. Number chapter 3. The second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became it was blood as a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. So it goes from a, from a third part of the water turning to blood to all of the sea turning to blood. I mean, that's just radical. Verse 4. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and the fountains of the waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and which was and shall be, because thou hast judged thus. Wow. And he explains why he's doing this. Look, in verse 6. They have shed the blood of the saints and of prophets, and thou hast given them the blood to drink, for they are worthy. Isn't that something? Uh, he, he's basically giving them, they're reaping what they sowed. Verse 7, I heard another one out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. Man, he's held off all this just for this period because he's so righteous, so merciful. And look in the, verse 8, And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with a great heat, and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over the plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. So, I mean, you, it's just like Moses and Pharaoh. you got horrible vials, <laughs> Horrible things happening, and they still didn't repent. 
pretty amazing. All right, so look at, verse, look at verse number 10. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for pain, and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and repented not of their deeds. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof dried up, and that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Remember, uh, all the nations of the east are going to come down and attack Israel at the battle of Armageddon. And that's that last one of those vials there. And here's the seventh vial, verse 17. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings. There was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth. Watch this. So mighty of an earthquake, so great, that the great city was divided into three parts. So Jerusalem is going to be divided into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell. This earthquake is so bad that all the cities of the earth, all their buildings are going to crumble. And it says here, And nations fell, and the great Babylon came to remembrance before God to give up the cup of the wine of her fierceness or the wrath. Every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great, a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. That's 120 pounds, about maybe, how many kilograms would that be? About 50 to 60 kilograms? Something like that. Uh, about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plagues of hail, and the plagues whereof were exceeding great. So the very last vial is the greatest earthquake the world's ever seen so that mountains are snapped out of place and there's no more islands and hailstones are falling that are 130 pounds, maybe 50 to 60 kilos. Man, it's not going to be a cool time. And then all of a sudden, you get this preparation. We're going to have our break and we'll come back and look at the kind of several different stages right there of the second coming to where God deals with the Antichrist and he deals with Babylon and all of a sudden the earth goes through this process of wow, I think I'm going to the ones that make it through that you talk about hard headed the next thing they're going to see is the brightness of his glory and you and I are going to be on horses we're going to be right there following him I don't know what spot we're going to be but I'm telling you he's going to be leading the charge and all of a sudden the king of kings and the lord of lords is going to go I've got the earth ready for my kingdom I've ridded the earth of rebellion he's going to rid the earth of all those uh, hard-hearted people that have uh, thumbed their nose up at God say even though you gave your life I don't care and he's going to he's going to level that haughtiness of man right there and the brightness of his glory no need for the sun no need for the sun from the glory that's in his face and we'll be right there behind him, coming from heaven down to earth on those horses. I don't know how that works. Lean left, trigger, here we go. <laughs> and, and as we come into the second coming, Jesus stands there at the Mount of Olives. There's a great earthquake at the Mount of Olives. He'll split apart, and there'll be a great valley there. And the king's going to set up his kingdom right there. Wow, hallelujah. Thanks for listening. We hope you were blessed and encouraged by this teaching and are freshly excited about our Saviour's imminent return and how we should be living in anticipation of this blessed hope. For more information on Rama Family Church or to partner with us in producing more resources like this, please visit rhema.org.au.